0: was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Jesus replied, Yes, look at these great buildings, but they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter and James, John and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, Tell us when when will all this happen. What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic, yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Well, grace and peace be with you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, I was sitting with a group of friends who I typically meet with every week, and we were talking about the results of the election. One friend was very excited about this recent election, and she felt the results indicated that everything was on course and was the way it should be. The other friend, however, was not as pleased. Now, isn't it amazing the difference in these two responses at the very same news? In today's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples the shocking news that their beloved temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. He also tells them that amid wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations, there will be a great cataclysm. And this is bad news, yet Jesus ends today's gospel that's saying these events are also a type of birth. Well, typically when I hear of someone giving birth, that is good news to me. I'm excited for the family, and I'm excited for what that will mean for that family. Yet in today's gospel, Jesus talks about the destu- destruction of the temple and the accompanying wars as good news. And I wonder, how can that be good news, and how can that any- be anything like the news of giving birth? Now, you may remember that the temple in Jerusalem was the center of the national life for the Jewish people. The Jewish people had lost so much when Rome came in to occupy Judea, but they still had their temple. So when Herod the Great built this um, magnificent temple, the Romans allowed that to take place so they could pacify Judea and keep the Jewish people happy. By letting the Jewish people worship and to in Jerusalem and come to Jerusalem for festivals, the Romans thought that would help maintain peace in the land. Now, if you don't know, the Temple Mount is, um, was built to look eternal, was built to look big and heavy and substantial and immovable. In fact, when Steve and I visited a few years ago, I was amazed at its size. It is huge. And I looked up information and they said it's about 11 football fields side by side when you get to the top of the Temple Mount. So you can just see, imagine how big that is. The Jewish people, because of all that, thought that there was nothing that could ever destroy that temple and that it would stand forever. But in today's text, once again, Jesus tells them that it will not always be there, that it will be destroyed and Jesus called that bad news, in essence, good news. The lesson we read from our gospel is known in um, by biblical scholars as apocalyptic literature, and it speaks of the end of time. And many people see apoc or hear that term and they think, oh, they're very fearful. But really, apocalyptic literature was not meant meant to put fear into people's hearts, but it was was to redirect them towards maybe a more radical rearrangement, maybe something radical that was going to be, a a new thing that was going to be done, and that was radical. So it's really not about the end of, uh, of the world, but it's the end of our worlds, our way of thinking about things that we have created. And I think this is what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples that day in Jerusalem about the destruction of the temple. The literature was written to get people's attention. It was meant to help them see what really mattered. It was meant to give them hope when things seemed to be falling apart all around them. So what? What can we learn from this text? For one thing, that when Jesus dramatically announces the utter destruction of the temple, it might just say that the present arrangements— are not necessarily what God intends for the world. Hmm. We tend to think of God creating the world, setting things in motion, and then just kind of retiring and sitting back. But what if God intends to get the world that God wanted in the first place? So maybe some things have to happen. What if not everything that happens in the world happens because God wants it that way? What if God means for everything that happens— even the bad things, to somehow be turned towards the good that God intended. And what if the church is not where we come to get everything just tied down and fixed in the right place, but it's, com- it's the place where we come to keep looking for God's ideas about what the new heaven and the new earth are all about, where we come to see where we're being called to do acts of justice and mercy. Perhaps the church is at its best when it fosters in each of us this holy discontent with what is taking place in the world. So we don't just settle for things the way they are when they do not reflect God's will for the world. Christian author C.S. Lewis says that most Christians are too easily pleased. There's this human tendency, if you will, to imbue in human institutions Divine permanence, as if God created everything that is now, that now is, and it's meant to stay that way forever. But I think this passage from Mark 13 reminds us that God is not done with us or the world. And let me say that again God is not done with us or the world because there is always more love to share, always more care to be given and at times, change to be made. I think during this time of COVID, we experienced as a congregation how what we always thought the church would be like was turned upside down in one mere week. When one mere week. We were challenged to figure out, in that time frame, how to worship together when we were not able to be together. We were challenged to figure out how we could bring comfort to our friends and from our church and from, to other people when we couldn't be there in person. We were challenged to figure out how we could share God's love with um, others in our community who were in need, such need, during a global pand- pandemic. And it wasn't easy. It was not easy um, all the time. And I think even now we're trying to figure out how to share the good news of Jesus as a congregation in this time when the pandemic seems to be winding down, but I just heard numbers were going up in other places, and you think, oh my, oh my. But certainly, our worship times and faith formation time has changed because our world, our context, has changed because of COVID. Certainly, we are doing... Um, online ministry, which is important for our mission because of COVID. And certainly Good Shepherd is not tumbling down. I do know of other churches that have suffered because of COVID, but nonetheless, we have felt the impact of COVID in our life together. You know as well as I know, everything is not the same as it once was. And as radical and maybe as hard as that seems like it is at times, I pray it also feels like good news given our context, which has evolved because of COVID. And you know what? Sometimes things cannot be made new until the old is destroyed. Sometimes there can't be a birth until there is death. I remember being told as a young pastor, which was a long time ago, folks, that churches rarely grow and become new without some pain, without some thinking outside the box. I was reminded of this uh, in a book that our staff recently read called Canoeing the Mountains. And it's a book about um, church and leadership and kind of going, how do we um, have adaptive leadership in our mission and our ministry as a congregation. It's based on uh, Lewis and Clark who went over the mountains, had to go over the mountains, and they had to rethink everything they thought they were going to do. Well, anyway, sometimes the old must die for something new to be born. And this can sound so radical and drastic to a congregation. And the real challenge to a congregation is that we can become so enamored with the temple we have That it's hard for us to think of relinquishing it for the temple that God might just be trying to uh, build for us. And this seems to be the point, once again, with what Jesus was trying to make with his disciples. His ministry was inviting them to envision a new way to look for God's work in the world. It wasn't going to be the same. But here's something important, too. This does not just apply to the church. It can also apply to individuals. Has anybody here ever had to die in order to live? Maybe figuratively? Does someone here know what it's like to have your temple destroyed, only to be replaced with something that is much better? Has your bad news ever become good news, In one way or another. I remember talking with a widow from Good Shepherd some years ago. When her husband died, she felt like her life was over. She felt like she could not go on. But, wonders of wonders, she did not die and her life went on. It wasn't the same life, but it was a new life. Now, she would never have chosen for her spouse to die or for her to be alone. But it turned out okay. She found a a new purpose, a a new way of life. And this is a woman who would say that her bad news had become good news. And she just found the way to make it through that. And then I think she would have said, by the grace of God. Or how many have heard a story about someone who loses their job, maybe even is fired? And at first... They're horribly depressed, not able to do too much, but over time, things change for the person. You could say healing starts, and they look look very different. In fact, they are much improved because as the healing happens. And upon reflection, they say something like this, I'm better off now. I gave more than I should have to that company. It was impacting my life in all sorts of ways and not necessarily positive ones. Here is someone who would know what Jesus was talking about with the destruction of the temple as good news and as a new birth. I think it's only human for us to cling tightly to what we know and what we have. But maybe it is divine to give birth to a future that is new. Perhaps we we come to church now to learn how to look for God's hand, even in the news that seems bad, and to expect God to work to continue to create good news, to create, if you will, beautiful things out of our dust. The Gospel of Mark, which we have been reading for the last year, um, that we have focused on for the last year, includes many great and wonderful events, like the miracles and the great teachings and the great healings of Jesus. We see all sorts of acts of compassion. But it is also filled with sad events, like the incomprehension of the disciples about who Jesus really is. They get it wrong over and over again, but Jesus just keeps plugging away with them. And then there's this growing hostility between the religious and political leaders at the time. And then the sad thing of Jesus being crucified. And yet Mark's gospel begins by saying that all of this, including the bad, is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is in the first verses of the gospel. So as Christians, we trust in the promise that in the face of all sorts of things, that everything will be all right, because we know God makes beautiful things out of dust. And our God is also about resurrection and not death. And Pastor Alex, I'm looking at you because you were telling the confirmands that last week, on last Sunday, as we talked together. God makes is about resurrection, not death. We know God is with us. So this means that we are called to do the same, to help make beautiful things out of the dust we see all around us. We are called to do all in our power to make things right for those who suffer, for those who hurt, for those who are in need. And by doing this, we once again remember that this world is not always as God has intended, but this world is also not our ultimate home. But we also remember that God is still working and will work to make this world so it can be full of God's goodness and God's love and God's forgiveness and God's care. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.